Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. What's up? Welcome into the BSN Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind here on a Wednesday. We are presented today by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online, mygreensolution.com. You can also reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. And if you use promo code BSN20, get 20% off your entire purchase. Fun show today. It's a Wednesday. Tim Connolly and Michael Malone spoke Tuesday morning, afternoon at Pepsi Center had their end-of-the-year press conferences. Those came about a week or so after the players spoke on locker clean-out day. I have a feeling the Nuggets want to wait for a few details to get ironed out with Tim uh, taking the weekend to think about that Wizards job and whatnot. But he is back in Denver now, so he spoke with the media on Tuesday, as did Michael Malone. So, I will cover on today's show what you guys need to know from those press conferences. A lot to take away when it comes to the status of Paul Millsap heading into next year, how Denver could potentially attract some top-tier free agents, a couple things people aren't talking enough about when it comes to Denver's appeal to maybe the Kevin Durant's of the world, maybe the Kawhi Leonard's of the world. I'll get into that as well. Also, some notes on... Tim Connolly and the Wizards, and why he ultimately chose to stay in Denver. Also, how the Nuggets will approach just improving their team this summer. Will they go big game hunting? Some of that will factor into that free agency discussion with those top-tier guys, and also just how they might look to improve their team in some other ways. Some interesting notes from Conley about how the Nuggets will approach the draft and free agency with a couple of their trade exceptions, even though the Nuggets don't have a pick per se, but I think there's reason to think that might change before the draft. And also some notes on Michael Porter Jr. I won't spend as much time on that topic because I've talked about that a lot already here on the show after the season wrapped up 
a week and a half or so ago. can't believe it's only been 10 days since that Game 7. It seems like an eternity. Part of that probably has to do with the Warriors sweeping the Trailblazers, but that does seem like it wrapped up a lot longer ago than that. So those are the topics I'll get to on today's show. Also, reveal an early top 10 free agent list for Denver. And I'm really talking about small forwards and power forwards here. Maybe a couple guys that could play the two, but the three and the four, it's Denver's weakest positions right now. And so those are the free agents I'm really looking at. I'll give you my top 10 list as it stands right now. And also debut a new segment, calling it fan mail for now, but definitely open to suggestions. I asked you guys on, I think, Monday's show, if you want to submit questions, comments, really anything to my email, feel free to do so and I'll read it on the show. It's wind, my last name, W-I-N-D, at bsndenver.com. So i got a couple cool emails, which I will get to in a little bit. Also, quick update, the Nuggets Summer League media team, 2-0, and another close victory in our second game. 2-0, and trying to defend that title that we won last summer. Updates to come throughout the coming months on uh, how we're doing as well. But we're 2-0. Good start to the season. So anyway, the first topic that I want to get to, and one I've hit on a little bit, how the Nuggets will navigate Paul Millsap's team option here this coming summer. And what we heard Tuesday, it was really along the lines of what we've been saying on this show, really going back to late in the season when we began to broach this topic uh, at, at large here. Paul Millsap, of course, has a $30 million team option for next season. The overarching message, the overarching takeaway from Tim Connolly's comments here on Tuesday, both sides want the same thing. Paul Millsap wants to be back in a Nuggets uniform. Denver wants Paul Millsap back in a Nuggets uniform. And my thinking, and this has been my thinking from the start, he'll be back in a Nuggets uniform one way or another. Unless Kawhi Leonard slips Denver a text message and says, hey, I actually want to be in the Mile High City. Maybe that's when things kind of change in direction and we don't know exactly what Millsap's future would be. But doesn't seem like there's a great chance of that happening from what I know about Kawhi and where he wants to be. So I think there's a really good chance Paul Millsap is back. That shouldn't be a surprise. But here's what Tim Connolly said on Tuesday, quote, Paul is everything we hoped culturally, his on-court impact. I think it's starting to see where we are defensively with and without Paul. His instincts on that end of the court, our goal and Paul's goal is to have him back with us. And I think when both people have the same goal and they both have a lot of respect for each other, I'm pretty confident that will happen. I'm having dinner with Paul very soon. He's got a fantastic agent, D'Angelo, and we'll catch up. And we both want the same thing. We'll figure out the best way for the organization and for Paul to make sure that's achieved. So I fully expect Paul to be back in a Nuggets uniform. I do as well. And um, I don't know if it will be at that $30 million figure. I think it would probably be best for Denver to decline that team option, give themselves a little wiggle room, and to maybe go out and get somebody else to add to this roster and also bring Paul Millsap back. Because look, he was so valuable to this team on the court. He got five second team, all defensive team votes and probably could have gotten a few more. He was definitely Denver's best defensive player. In my opinion, their most valuable defensive player, just from a leadership standpoint, from 
just the standpoint of him kind of being the captain of Denver's defense, I think he's the one guy that you can really look at and say, okay, that's the main reason why they were a top 10 defense. Gary Harris had a really good defensive year. Nicole Jokic improved defensively. Torrey Craig was good on defense. But I think Paul Millsap was the biggest constant on that end of the floor. And offensively, he was good at times too, especially in the playoffs, except for that really game six and game seven, which left a bad taste in some people's mouths. But it's easy to forget. He was really solid offensively in the playoffs. And look, behind the scenes in the locker room, he's been a rock too. And that's a big reason why Denver was paying him 30 million bucks a year plus to come here in the first place. And he's really lived up to everything that Denver wanted him to be in that respect. And with such a young locker room, a team that came into the season with the second youngest roster in the league, you need that from somebody. And Millsap really filled that void for a lot of the season. And I know I've been saying on this show that it seems like it's a formality that Denver will decline that option. I want to maybe walk that back a tad I think the odds are they still decline that team option, but I do think there's a scenario where they could pick it up, and if they pick it up, they'd still be under the luxury tax, but that would mean they really can't go out and add somebody for a significant amount of money, but maybe the Nuggets look at this thing and say, hey, if we pick up this team option, we don't have to commit more years to him, and a guy like Paul, he's 34 years old, clearly on the downside of his career, but still does have a few more quality years left. I don't think that's going out on a limb by any means. Maybe the Nuggets look at this thing as, hey, we can just lock him in for this one year, run it back and reassess things a year from now, and then maybe make a commitment to him for a couple more years at that point. But I would still say Denver probably declines it, but... I'm not going to say like it's a 100% open and shut case. But probably the biggest proponent of bringing Paul Millsap back is going to be Michael Malone just for what he did on the defensive end of the floor over the last couple of years. I was joking about this with a lot of people. He might have even said it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. But I just can't even imagine how tough it was for Michael Malone to teach defense to these young guys who didn't come into the league with plus defensive repertoires like Jamal Murray and Malik Beasley. He's probably spent so much effort. He's devoted so much manpower to teaching those guys defense, and he's going to have to do that again with Michael Porter Jr. coming into the fold next season. Just to have a guy who knows defense as well as Paul Millsap, knows team defense as well as Paul Millsap, you got to think Michael Malone is will send a pretty strong message to the front office that hey, I absolutely need Paul Millsap back next year. I think Denver's front office knows that too, but Michael Malone must feel like he needs him to really put his scheme forward on that end of the floor. All right, so Paul Millsap probably coming back. I don't think anything groundbreaking, earth-shattering there. Don't think that's worthy of an aggregation. My second biggest takeaway, Tim Connolly, to wrap up his little press conference, went on a bit of a monologue here about why Denver should be an attractive place and really appeal to top tier for agents. And this was like a minute or so answer, but he hit on a lot of interesting topics here. The question was framed as, has Denver become a more attractive spot for free agents? Here's what he said, quote, I think so. I think a couple years ago, we were able to get in front of some guys that I was surprised we got in front of. I think last year we had people quietly reaching out to people throughout the organization. They said, 
hey, you'd like to be here. And we're like, really? Surprisingly so. I don't know what else we can do. The city's dynamic. You'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who visits Denver who doesn't leave here thinking, wow, what a great city. I'd love to live there. The ownership, obviously, is the most impactful and powerful in all of sports. From London to LA, there's no one who has what the Cronkies have. There's no ownership group, I think, that is more hands-on and more knowledgeable of who works for them. That's over every spectrum of the organization. And now the team's success. We have a 54-win team. There's only a couple of teams that have more wins We showed we can win the playoffs. We have the most unselfish star in the NBA with no contractual issues. We're not holding our breath for the next couple of years. There's no major decisions that have to be made in regards to Nikola. Then I think when people say it's about winning, it's about winning. I don't know how we're not one, two, or three with a bullet. He's talking about Denver ranking first, second, or third on a prospective free agents destination rankings. If it's about growing your brand, again, the unique opportunities Denver presents right now as being one of the hottest cities in the country, coupled with an ownership group that has a stake in any and everything in entertainment. So I think it will be fascinating to make those calls. And if they say it's about winning, and if they answer it's about winning, and they don't want to talk to us, then it's a disingenuous answer. Wow. So a lot to get to there. The first thing, and Connolly said this off the top, he said that there were a lot of guys that he's been surprised they could get in front of. And I think last year they had a lot of people quietly reaching out to people throughout the organization saying, quote, he'd like to be here. And we're like, really? I don't know who he's exactly referring to there, but maybe LeBron James sent some feelers out that he wouldn't mind being in Denver at one point or another. Maybe. Maybe. Obviously, that didn't come true. And he wanted to be in L.A., but maybe that was somebody Conley was referring to. I don't know. Just speculating there. But I think this was a fascinating answer because he brought up a lot of aspects that we don't usually talk about. And what I'm referring to there is what Nuggets ownership can provide. And I don't think this is something that gets talked about enough. But when you think of the Cronkies as the Nuggets owners... You think of Josh Kroenke. And since I've been around the team, I've been pretty impressed with how Josh has kind of managed and presided over the Nuggets from really working hard and devoting financial capital to keep Arturis Karnasovas here in 2017 when the Bucks might have wanted to hire him for their GM post and promoting him to GM at the time from assistant GM and stepping up and really helping to keep Tim Connolly here and all that had to do with the relationship those two have and the trust those two have and the working relationship that Josh has with his Nuggets front office. And you get the feeling that, well, yes, Josh has the final say and he has the final say just like every president throughout every organization does. He really lets the Nuggets and Tim's front office really work and make decisions without a ton of input from him. He's They're in the draft room, of course. He's helping to make decisions. He's working with everybody there in a collaborative way, but he really steps back and lets the basketball people make decisions. And I think that's one of the most important qualities in a president or an owner or whatnot. But him and Stan Kroenke, those two, and the Kroenke name, that can provide a lot to prospective free agents that I don't think we talk about enough. I mean, when you think of the assets they have from Arsenal 
in the English Premier League, over in London, to the Rams in the NFL, to teams in the NHL and the MLS, to esports. The Cronkies own a team in the Overwatch League. And then on the entertainment side of things, they own obviously one television network, Altitude TV. They own a couple more television networks out there. Their arenas across the country house concerts and whatnot. And you can bet that the mega stadium that Stan Kroenke is building for the Rams in LA will house countless concerts and big events as well. There's a lot of ways that athletes can benefit from those guys' connections if they really want to. And how many connections they have, how many people they know in the sports and the entertainment business, for an athlete looking to grow his brand, those would be really good people to be aligned with. And being in the city of Denver, you guys have heard me talk about this countless times, but Denver is a happening place. Downtown Denver is buzzing right now. There's a tech boom going on in the city. Tons and tons of millennials are moving to the city. There's tons of you know Fortune 500 companies here. Amazon is here. Facebook is here. There are more coming every day. I just wrote about this on bsndenver.com if you want to read kind of my thoughts in written form about why the Nuggets think they should have a seat at the table with these top tier free agents. A lot of the reasons are what I just outlined. But Denver is a place where you can really grow your brand and whatnot. No, it's not in LA. No, it's not a San Francisco or New York. But I think it's right there on that next level. And then when you look at the winning component, a lot of these top tier free agents are just like, yeah, man, I just want to win. You know, I just want to win championships. And I agree with Connolly. Guys who say that and don't look at the Nuggets, they're obviously lying. And when a lot of top tier free agents say all they care about is winning, I think most of us know that that's bullshit. And that's something you say to keep your image a certain way. But to be quite honest with you guys, that's not the top priority of a lot of free agents out there. And guys in the league know it too. Somebody in the Nuggets locker room made an offhand remark last year that everybody knew LeBron James went to LA to make Space Jam 2 and to make movies and that winning basketball wasn't his top priority. And I think it's pretty easy to say it wasn't. And that's fine. LeBron can do what he wants to do. He's earned that right. He's won championships. He's won MVPs. If he retired tomorrow and just made movies and made TV shows and grew his entertainment empire, he'd be regarded as one of the greatest players of all time. But there are a lot of players out there like LeBron who make free agency decisions not solely on the aspect of where can I win championships. And there's guys who have winning championships, maybe second or third on what they're looking for in a free agent destination. But If a guy really does want to win, and if he's being honest in the fact that all he really cares about is winning championships, there's not many better places that you would think to do that other than Denver. I mean, they've got Nikola Jokic, a top 10 player in the league, locked in under contract for the next four years, the most unselfish superstar in the league, a guy who would rather assist on your three-pointer than make his own. I mean, who wouldn't want to play with him? And I do think he can be Denver's biggest recruiting chip over the next four seasons. He's got to be one of the most desirable guys to play with. The rest of Denver's young core, it's locked in under contract for at least the next year. Yeah, the Nuggets have some decisions to make with Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley. 
those rookie extensions, but Gary Harris is locked in. Jamal Murray, I don't see him going anywhere. He's at least going to be under contract you know, for the next three, four years if Denver wants him here. They'll have his restricted rights even if they don't work out a rookie extension this fall. So Denver's got their core in place. They've got a superstar in Nicole Jokic that everybody should want to play with if winning is their top priority. And look, they won 54 games last season. It was the fourth highest mark in the league behind just the Bucks, the Raptors, and the Warriors, right? They got to the Western Conference semifinals and took Portland to seven games. They won a playoff series. So the winning is there. The -the off-the-court opportunities are there. The ability to build your brand is here in Denver. The connections that Nuggets ownership has should be a topic that's talked about as something that's appealing to those top-tier free agents. So Denver's a more attractive place, obviously, now than it was a couple years ago. And I really do think now it's on the radar of those A-list free agents. And I could see one of those guys coming to Denver, maybe not this summer, but maybe in a couple years. Here's my top 10 ranking of free agents I think would fit best in Denver here. And I'm really just looking at threes and fours, small forwards and power forwards, because those are really only the two positions that I can envision Denver spending big money on. First is Kevin Durant. Obviously, his fit here would be great, and any team would move mountains for the ability to have Kevin Durant on their roster. Yeah, he loves to ISO. Yeah, he loves to get his buckets, and the Warriors, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, they play that free-flowing style more when he's not out there, but still, you don't pass up the opportunity to have Kevin Durant on your team, and Kevin Durant with Nikola Jokic, that's a title contender right there. My second best fit, I think, is Clay Thompson, and I've got him ahead of Kawhi Leonard, got him ahead of Tobias Harris, just because he doesn't need the ball in his hands. And obviously, the second best shooter in the league, I think, behind Steph. And I mean, his shooting, his defense, he pretty much took Damian Lillard out of that second round series, even though Lillard was injured, I know. But I mean, his defense on Lillard was magnificent. He would also make Denver an instant title contender, I think, if you added him to this core. My third guy on this top 10 ranking is Kawhi Leonard. I don't think he'd be interested in coming to Denver from what I've heard. I think Denver could have really acquired him actually for relatively cheap a year ago, but it was pretty well known that Kawhi was not going to stay in Denver past the season under any circumstances, so Denver couldn't really pull the trigger on that. He would obviously fit great though. And then after that, fourth on this list, I've got Chris Middleton, who I would love in Denver. I think he's just what the Nuggets need at the three spot, but he's going to be really expensive. A lot of people throughout the league think he'll be getting a max deal. And that's kind of a risky max, I think, for Denver to give out. Next up after Middleton, I've got Tobias Harris, then Jimmy Butler, who I know the Nuggets don't have any interest in. And no surprise there based on how Denver has just targeted self-motivated, high-character guys And Jimmy Butler has seemingly wrecked two locker rooms in Minnesota and Philadelphia. So Denver doesn't have any interest there. He'd still be a great fit, though. He'd make the Nuggets a lot better. Next up, Julius Randle, who would just be a terror off the bench for Denver if they could get him in here. Then I've got Danny Green, Nicole Miritich, and Alfred Camino rounding out my top 10. And I don't know if Aminu is like really the 10th guy, if I was just looking at like a top list of free agents available, but 
I think he'd be a really good fit here. So I wanted to include him on this list. And I don't think he'd be too expensive either. But he's just a really good defender, long and versatile, can play a couple positions. It's the kind of guy Denver doesn't really have on the defensive end of the floor. So that's my top 10 list for now. Let me know what you guys think. Durant, Clay, Kawhi, Middleton, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Julius Randle, Danny Green, Nicole Miritich, all for Camino. I think Danny Green would be great. I've heard he's going to the Lakers, though. But him at the three or at the two, how good of a defender he is, how good of a shooter he is, how good of an off-the-ball mover he is, I think he'd be great in this system. So can Denver get a Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson this summer? They might be a year early, but if they can get a seat at the table, they can secure a meeting. Damn right they will. They'll pitch their case. That's always healthy for a franchise that's on the up and up like Nuggets to do. But they might be a year ahead of schedule to get a guy of that magnitude. All right, let me go ahead and hit a break real quick. Pay some bills on the BSN Nuggets podcast. When I come back... Mail time. Read a couple emails I got from some listeners around the globe. Also get into some other takeaways I had from the press conferences on Tuesday. Tim Connolly spoke a lot about his decision to turn down that Wizards gig. And also what they might do in the draft. Nuggets don't have a draft pick, but that could change. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily. House-made smoked meats and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, We have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by The Green Solution. If you visit mygreensolution.com and use promo code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind here on a Wednesday. It's now time for a new segment on the BSN Nuggets podcast where I read your emails from across the world. The first one comes to us from Marco in Serbia. Marco writes, technically I'm not from Serbia. That's complicated, but I'm close enough. And he says, first of all, I've listened to most of yours and Adam's podcasts. Adam Mars, of course, on the Locked On Nuggets podcast. This season, and I appreciate your work. Thank you, Marco. Normally, I like this season. Nicole was great. Gary can be much better on offense. Malik on defense. But that's one of the reasons I'm writing this email. For the rest of the team, I'm not so sure that they can be much better, at least for next season. Jamal also, of course. But there are a lot of buts for him. And there is a question here as I see it. Can the Nuggets continue with these guys and be a great second round playoff team for years to come, have a great culture and be like those 80s Nuggets teams? 
probably even better, and that is a great option, a safe option, or can they chase a ring and take much greater risks in that process because a lot of guys will be traded, be less happy. There'll be a lot of what-ifs for those new guys. He goes on to say, let's just say the second option is much more stressful. So if these two paths are available, which one do you take? I'm a little afraid that next season will be difficult for the Nuggets. The Pelicans will be better. Sacramento, probably the Clippers. Basically, the whole Western Conference will be better, except for Golden State and Houston, but they will make it to the playoffs easily and still be better than the Nuggets. Marco goes on to write, hopefully MPJ will be good, but I listened to Nate Duncan when he said that he can't stand incorrect defensive position, and that was after the rehab. I hope that's not true. Based on what I've seen from MPJ, that is not true. But Marco goes on to say, even if he is that good, like he thinks of himself, next year will be his rookie year, and we all know what rookies are like. I hope for Jared Vanderbilt to be the next Paul Millsap. But like for MPJ, I don't see that next season. Maybe I'm wrong, and they both can be good now. What do you think about Mikhail Bridges in Denver? I think that he would be great. Shooting is maybe a little problem, but he can be much better in that area, and the rest of his game is great. Phoenix has Kelly Oubre Jr. and Josh Jackson and TJ Warren and need a point guard and power forward. I would offer them Monte and Wancho with a second-round pick for him, maybe. And I assume he's thinking Mikhail Bridges. So stay safe, keep up the good work, and I wanted to say there are a lot of guys here that are watching the Nuggets at 5 a.m. and then go to work and college. Best regards, Marco. Thanks for the message, Marco. Love hearing from my Serbian followers, Serbian listeners of the show, even though you say you're not technically in Serbia. I'll have to admit, one of the coolest parts of covering the Nuggets is interacting with people in Serbia and people across the world who have some connection to Nikola Jokic and are following the Nuggets because of him. I'll address the last part of your question there about a potential trade with Phoenix. I like Mikhail Bridges. I liked him in the draft. I thought he'd be great in Denver. I don't know if I'm giving up Monte Morris for him, though, because that creates a big hole at backup point guard, which is always a difficult spot in your lineup to plug. And I think Denver really likes what they have with Monte Morris and they think he can be a great backup. And I think he can be a great backup for the next 10 years. So I don't think Denver is moving on from him, but I like Mikhail Bridges. He's young. Those other guys in Phoenix, I don't know if I want much to do with Josh Jackson or TJ Warren or Kelly Oubre. seems like the Phoenix Suns are turning into the West Coast equivalent of the Washington Wizards. I don't like the vibe around most of those guys. So I don't know about a trade with them. In terms of your main question, which route the Nuggets take, do they kind of get risky here or do they pretty much keep up what they've been doing for these last couple years, preach patience, preach continuity? I think that's the route they go. And I don't think Denver's ever been one to skip steps. And that's the reason they've gotten to where they've gotten so organically, they haven't skipped those steps. They haven't mortgaged their future for the present. That's been one of the hallmarks and one of the best qualities of this front office. And I think that's what they keep doing. Sure, this year kind of accelerated the process a little bit, ramped up expectations, surely, when you're looking ahead to next year. Look, Denver was just supposed to make the playoffs this year and then go from there. They weren't supposed to get the two seed, but you, know, you take that if you're Denver. You take that success, but I don't think that necessarily speeds up the internal clock inside Denver's front office and organization when it comes to the key decision makers there. So I don't think they necessarily get riskier 
after this stage. I think they preach continuity. They preach process. And I think that's the right move as well. I've been a big proponent of that. It's what the Nuggets have followed. And I think they've reaped the rewards of staying patient here. So I would expect them to do the same. And I think that's the best route to go. In terms of MPJ and Jared Vanderbilt, I would temper your expectations for what they will do next season and how big of a role they'll play. I said on this podcast a week or so ago that I'd say Michael Porter Jr. plays more minutes, has a bigger role than Jared Vanderbilt, but easily those two could flip. Curious to see how both those guys look at Summer League. Don't be surprised if Jared Vanderbilt plays a little point guard at Summer League. And I think he's got a really versatile skill set that Denver will look to really take advantage of. He's such a unique player. But don't think that those two guys will come in and play 20 minutes for the Nuggets a game next year and just catapult them to the top of the Western Conference to be these two huge difference makers. I think it will take some time with both those guys, but both have extremely high ceilings. So yeah, thanks for the question, Marco. I think Denver stays patient. I don't think they get risky here, and I think that's the right decision to make. The second email I've got that I'm going to read on today's show comes from Matthew. I'm guessing he's from Australia here based on his email address, but he says... Hi, Harrison. Really like your podcast, the insights and the format. Thank you for your efforts. I've been a Nuggets fan since 94. I'm very happy with the way the team is progressing. I like the emphasis on team first basketball. I like it as well. I have a question for you. Can we get good enough, quick enough through player growth and development to challenge for a title while Millsap is still effective? How long do you think he'll stay effective for? And also, can you give us a breakdown during the offseason covering what you think each player needs to work on during the summer? I will certainly get to a breakdown on what each player needs to work on during the summer. Here's a abbreviated version of that breakdown, though. Jamal Murray, defense and ball handling. Gary Harris, just get healthy. Don't injure yourself during the offseason. Just get healthy and be at 100% coming at the training camp. Same for Will Barton. Paul Millsap, keep working on your jumper. You're going to get a lot more threes here over the next couple of years than you surely got in Atlanta. And we saw a little bit of that last year. But if he can shoot threes at a little bit higher clip, that'd be huge for Denver. Nikola Jokic, continue to work on your post moves. Continue to work on your counters. You're a great post player. But you know if you had a few more counters in there over your right shoulder with the left hand, I think you'd be even more unstoppable in the post. Monte Morris, keep working on your jumper. Keep working on your body. I think we saw him and Malik Beasley get a little fatigued towards the end of that last season, that playoff run uh, for Beasley. You know, work on your defense, study a lot of film, work on your ability as a secondary playmaker with that bench unit. Mason Plumley, work on your free throws, work on your positioning defensively. I think he didn't have a great defensive performance in the postseason, and I think he can get a little bit better on that end of the floor. Torrey Craig, Continue to work on your jumper. Shot it great over the second half of the season, but if you can be that 40% plus guy from three over the entire year, that would be huge. So that's an abbreviated version. I'll get to a more in-depth breakdown at some point throughout the summer. The main part of Matthew's email here, can Denver contend while Millsap is still effective? I think they can because I think the Nuggets championship window begins next season. We don't know what's going to happen in Golden State. I don't think Kevin Durant will be there, but I think if you're a betting man, you say Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green are all there next year, and that means they're still the favorites in the West, but they'll be beatable if 
Denver has some internal growth, and if the Nuggets maybe get a free agent here to spice up some things on the offensive end of the floor or the defensive end of the floor and just improves as a team. So I think Denver's championship window is open for the first time next season. They can definitely get to a Western Conference Finals. If things break right, they could get to a Finals. And I do believe that Paul Millsap will be as effective next year as he was this year. And he was very effective this year. He was second in DPR on the Nuggets behind Nikola Jokic. So he was a difference maker, especially on the defensive end of the floor. I don't anticipate him dropping off a ton from this year to next year. He's healthy. He's in a good frame of mind. And I think he'll be back, as I said earlier in the show. So I think Denver can contend with Paul Millsap still playing at this level. And I think that starts next season. How long can Paul Millsap stay at this level for? I'd say two more years. And I think Denver's window is obviously open for longer than that. Thanks for the email, Matthew. And again, if you guys want to submit questions, comments to the show, wind at bsndenver.com. I'll also keep scanning the Total Beverage Fan Hotline if you guys call in there, 1-800-BSNA-394. 1-800-BSNA-394 throughout the summer as well. So another big takeaway from the press conferences on Tuesday, Tim Connolly, of course, answered questions about why he chose to stay in Denver. And the crux of it is Connolly kept describing his chats with the Wizards as simply a conversation. That's how he referred to it a lot. He also called his chat with Wizards owner Ted Leonsis as an exchange of ideas. And what he pretty much said is that in the end, when he closed his eyes and tried to envision himself in Washington, he couldn't. He couldn't envision himself anywhere but Denver. And it had a lot to do with the relationships he's got here, not just with people in the basketball operations department, but with people throughout the entire organization. Obviously, his relationship with President and Governor Josh Kroenke, which I touched on earlier, and just that this is a work environment that he enjoys. He enjoys coming to work every day. He enjoys the people he works alongside. He enjoys the culture here in Denver that he's had a large hand in building. And the grass isn't always greener. And I feel like he looked at all those things and just thought it'd be really hard to leave. And I think a lot of that is probably surprising to some because based on the reporting coming out of D.C. over the weekend, it seemed like... Connolly was a sure thing to take this job, but as I learn more and more about this situation, it's become apparent that I don't think all that reporting was accurate. And I don't know if I can get into the details on that, but what I will say is I think the Wizards kind of overplayed their hand, and they leak a lot of stuff out of that franchise. The Nuggets do not leak a lot of stuff. And all that reporting, I don't think this was something that nobody realized, but that was all coming from the Wizards' angle. And of course, they wanted to get out there that, yeah, Connolly is very interested, blah, blah, blah. This is a lock to get done. And that really wasn't the case. And I reported way back when his name first emerged that it was highly unlikely that he took the job. And based on what I'm learning, there was genuine interest, but maybe not as much as it seemed. There were a lot of inaccurate stuff that was reported from Washington's angle. Most people took that stuff and ran with it because it was coming from very credible sources like the Washington Post and The Athletic. But a lot of that stuff written was not true. So I think Washington made it sound like he was a lot closer to taking the job than he really was. But still, 
it was something he had to think long and hard about because of the personal connections he has to D.C., his family's connections to D.C., the family he has back there, and how much respect he has for that organization. And Tim talks about that as well Tuesday, how he cares about that organization and he wants to have a chance to meet with the Wizards owner, Ted Leonsis, because he had never met him before and he had great things to say about him, that he's a fantastic owner and a real visionary and that that team is going to be special quickly under his leadership. But then he went on to say, quote, we just had a conversation. It was not much more than that. But what really pulled him back to Denver was that loyalty factor that he felt and just the relationships that he's built with Josh Kroenke and the people without the Nuggets. And it's got to be tough to walk away from something like Denver and Tim Conley has built, especially when you're looking at the situation in Washington with John Wall on the books for 170 mil over the next four years and how half that roster is going to be free agents and there's not that sense of culture there that you have with the Nuggets. That's got to be something in Denver that's really tough to walk away from. So that was another big takeaway from Tuesday's press conference as well. Tim Connolly obviously staying with Denver. We've got a couple more takeaways from the press conferences on Tuesday. First, a quick word from Total Beverage. Total Beverage right now, they've got an awesome deal for BSN listeners. You guys already know from listening to this podcast, from the countless reads I've done about Total Beverage, they have the most liquor in Colorado. Also at the best prices in Colorado, now they're delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. And for a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10. Again, use promo code BSN10. You can save $10 off a $50 order and have it delivered right to your door. You can download the Total Beverage app. You can use it on their website. Have your favorite wine, beer, liquor, spirits delivered right to your door from anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. Both Michael Malone and Tim Connolly spoke about how they will improve their roster, and I know I touched on the free agency component earlier in the show, but the odds are Denver rolls back most of this same group for next season. And I know how the playoffs ended left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths about the bench, how poor they played in the playoffs after the regular season they had. But I will tell you that Denver internally is still very confident in its roster. And I think that's a reason why they'll roll it back next season. They had one of the best benches in the league for most of the regular season. A lot of those guys are young. I think with the playoff experience they got this year, they'll fare better when they get to the playoffs next season, if that happens. So I think they'll look for a lot of internal improvement. And Michael Malone touched on this, but he thought that his guys looked really fatigued in the playoffs. Like they were running on empty and they played around a hundred games this year. You know, it's a lot more than they've played in years past. And all of these guys are, you know, just a year or two out of college. You're obviously not playing nearly the amount of games in college, maybe 30, 35 at the most in college and you're playing at minimum 82 here. It's tough to get adjusted to that. And Denver's got a lot of young guys on this roster and fatigue was certainly a factor in the playoffs. So that's something that Michael Malone saw as a reason why Denver kind of tailed off there at points and weren't as effective on the offensive end, had some of those really poor uncharacteristic shooting nights. And I think Michael Malone would certainly 
like to grow internally. Here's an interesting quote that he had. He said, quote, I think our staff has done an amazing job of building our guys and growing our guys and developing our guys from within. The easy answer, and this was to a question about how do you improve your roster or there holes that you need to plug. He said, the easy answer is always to say, let's go get player X. The challenge sometimes is let's build one of our own players into that player. And we've had countless examples of that, which I think is a testament to the culture we have here, a work culture. So without getting into specifics, Tim and I will talk with Arturis and Josh and kind of figure out who we are and how do we get to that next level. And if we feel there's somebody out there that can do so, we've never held back from looking to add pieces that can help us get to that next level. But I think he would prefer to not make any huge earth-shattering changes and try to build from within, which is what I think Denver will do to an extent. Another thing was when it comes to the draft, the Nuggets do not have a pick right now. But don't be surprised if Denver does have a second rounder when this thing is all said and done. They can buy into the draft. They've got some cash to use for that. But Tim Connolly also said this. He said, quote, while we don't have a pick this year, it's a great chance to be active with a potential trade that you might have. We have some potential useful trade pieces, and those can come in handy. I think we have a roster that's very well thought of league-wide, so we'll be aggressive going into the draft and aggressive on draft night, and we'll see if that aggression leads to any deals. Denver's always aggressive. We know that. They're always taking and making calls. Now, do they actually follow through on those potential transactions? Not always, but Denver will be aggressive again, and I think they probably get a second rounder at some point, buy back into the draft, maybe with cash, maybe with a trade, but you know Denver wants to get its hands on a second round pick. They've also got those trade exceptions to use. Maybe the Nuggets look to use those at one point and another. And also, finally, Michael Porter Jr., obviously, We've touched on him a lot over this podcast. I've cautioned you guys not to get your expectations up too high. Unlike Nate Duncan, I've seen him bend at the waist. So I don't think his lack of flexibility is as has been reported previously on other podcasts. But the excitement is there for Michael Porter Jr., obviously. And this is a guy who hasn't played a ton of five-on-five since his rehab and that's obviously a big step to go from not playing five on five in like 13 months to playing it in an NBA setting. So summer league will be a nice little transition for him. There will be some growing pains for sure. And I really hope for the Nuggets sake and the sake of the Nuggets fans that that first opening matchup against Zion Williamson on Friday night at summer league, what people are telling me is going to be the first Summer League game, that primetime spot, Denver against New Orleans, Michael Porter Jr. against Zion Williamson. I hope Porter fares well in that, but both Tim Conley and Michael Mullen also made it a point to say that, hey, Michael's going to have to earn his spot. He's going to have to earn his spot in the rotation. At their exit meetings, guys said, yeah, Michael's been talking a lot, so I'm excited to see him play. I'll definitely be at Summer League to see him play. And some of the veterans are, I think they're kind of antsy to see this guy who's just been off to the side, talking a lot of trash, showing off this beautiful jumper, showing off his vertical, throwing down some Sports Center top 10 worthy dunks. They're kind of excited to see what this guy can do on the court. And I am as well. So he'll have to earn a spot for sure. But I don't think the Nuggets are expecting too much of him at Summer League. I don't think they have high expectations for 
a potential role that he could fill next season. I think if he's playing 10 minutes a game next year, that's great. 15 minutes, maybe. So we'll see. Should be a fascinating summer for him. That's all I got for today's show, guys. A lot of ground covered there based on Michael Mullen and Tim Connolly's press conferences Tuesday. Let me know what you think. Send me an email, wind.bsendeavor.com, and I'll read it on a show later this week. Hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. If you got questions about the Nuggets offseason, if you got questions about the draft, about what other teams are going to do about the playoffs, let me know. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Talk to you then. The Colorado Golf Association is dedicated to preserving, improving, and serving the game of golf here in Colorado. And right now they're conducting their annual Dream Golf Vacation Raffle. Ed May, Executive Director of the Colorado Golf Association, gave us some more info on what exactly you can win if you enter. We had six grand prizes this year and 40-plus other prizes. So the the big ticket items, so to speak, or the grand prizes are a trip to the BMW Championship, including VIP access, thanks to our partnership with BMW. Uh, We have a trip to Streamsong. We have a trip to Bandon Dunes. We have a trip to Sand Valley. And then we have what I think might be the coolest, a chance to take uh, a 7 Series BMW down to Telluride to play in a CGA-only event. The raffle tickets will go on sale on our website, coloradogolf.org. Tickets are $40, and you know all the proceeds from the raffle are going to support youth development in the state of Colorado. So you're making a great donation to a great cause, but you're also having a chance to uh, really have a fantastic dream golf vacation. For a chance to win, be sure to go to coloradogolfassociation.org. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.